You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. I'm waking up early. Wake up. Wake up. And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And let's talk about things that are horrible in the world, <laughs> as usual, because we bring you gloom and doom with enough sense of humor to slather your brain. Yep. So here we have the state of the warming climate in 2016. Quote, truly uncharted territory. Arctic ice melted to new lows in 2016. Temperatures soared to scorching highs, and extreme weather rocked all parts of the planet. The World Meteorological Organization, WMO, released its annual State of the Global Climate Report on Tuesday, noting a year of broken records and extreme weather events, climate change trends that are continuing into 2017. Quote, this report confirms that the year 2016 was the warmest on record, a remarkable 1.1 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial period, said WMO Secretary General Pedri Talas. That temperature marks a... 0.06 degrees Celsius increase over the record set in 2015. The Paris Climate Agreement commits the world's nations to holding the atmospheric temperature increase to below 2 degrees Celsius. Now, I want to point out here, it also says aiming for below 1.5. And so we're at 1.1 last year. This is not a good sign that we're going to hit the 1.5 mark, which is what a lot of the island nations are hoping for in particular. So they set this goal to try to stave off the most catastrophic global warming impacts. We're already experiencing global warming impacts, but they've said... We are? What are you talking about? (laughs) You may have noticed, as as this report indicates. So much of that increased warmth was centered in the Arctic in 2016, where mean temperatures hit at least 3 degrees Celsius above the average, from 1961 to 1990 in some areas. Norway's Svalbard Airport in the high Arctic reported an average temperature of negative 0.1 degrees, which is 6.5 degrees above the 1961 to 90 average and 1.6 degrees above the previous record. It just jumped 1.6 degrees above the previous record? Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty record-setting temperatures. Like that's, I'm glad they mentioned some of these localities because it's pretty shocking, the global trend, but then when you think about it, in some areas it's going to be even more than that. Yeah, some areas beyond the extremes of the Arctic, the year's warming was exceptional because of its consistency, the report says, rather than being the result of spikes in a few locations. Yeah, and that's an important point, too, because the climate has to do with, you know, trends over time and trends over the whole world. And so it's not just it happened to be one hot summer in the Arctic. It's that, you know, the whole globe was very warm. Average atmospheric carbon dioxide levels hit a record high at 400 parts per million, and projections in for 2017 are even higher. The UK Met Office recently forecast that this year's monthly CO2 level at Muono Lao could reach nearly 410 parts per million in May, and the 2017 average could be 2-3 parts per million higher than last year. Quote, The influence of human activities on the climate system have become more and more evident. 
This influence is increasingly being demonstrated by attribution studies for much of the most critical weather and weather and climate extremes, in particular extremes related to heat, end quote. Yeah, I'm glad that they're doing some of these attribution studies because we've talked about this a couple times recently. You know, it's one thing to observe that the globe is warming, but then a lot of people are still trying to deny it and say, well, it could be the sun or it could be whatever other excuse they come up with. But the attribution studies show that it is, you know, global warming caused by humans is increasing the chances of this type of phenomenon. Well, we just like ignoring things because then we don't have to deal with it. Yeah, it's that simple. It's just human nature. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you can either believe that nothing's wrong and then you get to keep all of your current infrastructure and your current profit models and all that. Or you acknowledge the facts and realize that global warming's happening and then you've got to make a whole bunch of changes. <laughs> well, one of the changes is our state has picked the renewable portfolio standard to go from currently 70 megawatts of solar installed to 1350 megawatts of solar installed by 2020. So that right there um, was signed into a law December, I think, 10th by Rauner. And so people are scrambling because to go from 70 megawatts installed to 1350 by 2020 it's going to take a lot of scrambling. Yeah, you may have noticed it's 2017, so <laughs> Just like, that's going to be a lot uh, of installations. So. so in other news, we were just talking about consequences of climate change and noticing what those are. This story is about that. Doctors say climate change is making Americans sicker. Doctors say climate change is making... Wait a second. Doctors say this? Yeah, doctors are saying this. Yeah. <laughs> Do they know stuff about health? Yeah, I think so. I think some doctors have spent years studying health, you know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's what they do. So uh, most Americans don't know it, though. They can't name a single risk it poses to our health. I mean, now here, here in southern Illinois, you've got to hope that at least the people in southern Illinois will be able to name increased incidence of ticks and tick-borne diseases. Oh, man. Because we already have that as a factor but it's going to get worse because of global warming. I mean, I really liked that a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I didn't like that the temperature all of a sudden dropped and, you know, almost killed all of our crops around here because everything was already flowering. But I did like the temperature that it dropped. And I hoped it would have stayed longer colder to kill off the ticks and the bugs. But yeah. it definitely, I mean, it never really got below freezing. So it was just right hovering right at that freezing point. Yeah. And so I don't think we had catastrophic loss of crops. You know, That's the, the, the good peaches. news is hopefully right. we, can, we get to keep the peaches, but we might also get to keep the ticks. But, yeah, we definitely didn't have a catastrophic die-off of ticks yeah. or mosquitoes for that matter. I mean, I got, I got bit by a mosquito in February. How is that possible? Yeah, I haven't been bitten by one yet, but I've seen the insects start coming out. So what do doctors say? Yeah, enter the Medical Society Consortium on Climate and Health, an organization aimed to spread awareness about the health hazards of our overheating world. The group compiled the most common ones in a handy new report. If you would like to receive a copy of the report, email us info at yourcommunityspirit.org and we will send it to you. Yes, here are a few of the highlights. Extra hot days and intense heat waves, extreme weather events, 
poor air quality, infectious diseases like the Lyme disease and other tick-borne and mosquito-borne diseases we were just talking about, food and water contamination that can result from floods and heavy downpours, and mental health problems can be exacerbated by the social stresses of climate change and by the natural disasters that can increase the risk of depression, anxiety, PTSD. So what's the most important thing we can do to protect our health according to this report? Reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Doctor's orders. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And I'm glad they addressed this because a different story, I think we may have read this one last week. We've discussed it before. But that there are There are a majority of Americans who believe that we should do something about climate change and they believe that it affects people, but a majority don't believe it affects them personally. But if you realize these health impacts alone, these are going to affect everyone in the United States. Um, Maybe not directly. Maybe you personally won't get a tick-borne disease or anything. I don't know. On social media, there was a lot of people talking in February about how they thought they were getting sick from colds, but it turns out they were getting sick from allergies because of all the things blooming and stuff in February. They're like, it turned out when I went to the doctor, I didn't really have a cold. I had my allergies were kicking in, you know, two months earlier. Yeah. And even if you're an allergy sufferer, like you you may not be expecting it in February. Meet the fixer. This Brooklynite retrofits cities. U.S. cities are packed with about 5 million medium-sized buildings. You know, schools, churches, community centers, apartment buildings. Most use way more energy than they should. Many also have poor airflow and dirty, out-of-date heating and electrical systems. Those conditions contribute to higher inner-city asthma rates and other health concerns. Quote, These buildings are actually making children sick, said Donald Bard, who grew up in such a place. His parents, immigrants from Guyana, raised their kids in a one-bedroom Brooklyn apartment, relying on a cooking stove for heat. Bard eventually moved to the South and then attended Duke University before returning to New York as a community organizer in 2008. Now, in 2013, Bard launched Block Power, which provides engineering and financial know-how to retrofit city buildings. The technical part is cool. Engineers survey structures with sensors and smartphone apps, figuring out the best way to reduce energy use, like replacing oil boilers with solar hot water. But the financing is critical. Black Power builds the case for each project and connects owners with lenders. It's already retrofitted more than 500 buildings in New York and is expanding into Chicago, Philadelphia, and Atlanta. Quote, The biggest way for us to reduce carbon emissions right now, Bard says, is efficiency. If you would like to see a list of all the fixers in this year's Grist Magazine Top 50, send us an email, info at your community spirit, and we'll send you the newsletter. I was actually just at the, the state annual sustainability conference for all the community colleges, and they call themselves the, the Illinois Green Economy Network. And they get together once a year to talk about sustainability. And one of the presenters was an organization called DIRT. <laughs> DIRT. Now, I don't know, remember what the acronym stands for, but what they do is 3D modeling to figure out how to lay out classrooms or buildings to be more energy efficient or more conducive to learning. 
and they can actually have it where they also have virtual reality where you know a teacher c- cannot be there and it looks like they're there or uh, vice oh, versa yeah. yeah i really like stuff you know, like that so it's augmented you know you know you're looking at the actual classroom but then there's like added information that it's augmented with and blended through yeah but it was kind of interesting because you could go in there and you know move a window and it would say you know this is how much more sun will come through this is how much more heat or you know just change things around in the classroom to make it as energy efficient as possible yeah i like that both because it saves energy and just because it's cool tech (laughs) yeah so (laughs) yeah so they first just did it with a mouse where you walked around the classroom but then they one person put on the virtual goggles and they could actually, you know, walk around slightly. The leash was only like, you know, six foot long. <laughs> yeah. And then um, if they got to a certain point, you could like have someone else zoom in or zoom out with a mouse, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that sounds good. Yeah. I'm always glad to hear people talking about energy efficiency, too, because one of my concerns is that, you know, we'll install all of this wonderful new clean energy, but then we'll just keep using more and more energy. Just waste it. Yeah. yeah and just waste it away, you yeah. know. If we're more efficient, then, you know, we can reduce our emissions right now without even installing new stuff. I mean, literally, waste is energy thrown away or lost. Yeah. I mean, whether it's, you know, in the trash waste or electricity waste or inefficient car because, you know, you don't have the tires aired up correctly, all of that is waste. So. Yeah. I need to air up my tires. That's a good reminder. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. I remember um, this young teenage girl she actually started a website and she did a whole thing about how if you aired up your tires how much pollution it would uh, eliminate just by doing that every month so so let's see in other news germany converts coal mine into giant battery storage for surplus solar and wind power what this is a really strange interesting story here Germany's, We've got a lot of coal mines around here. Yeah. this. Uh, I wonder if this is possible in our area. Turn Carbondale into Solardale? <laughs> yeah. Well, Germany is embarking on an innovative project to turn a hard coal mine into a giant battery that can store surplus solar and wind energy and release it when the supplies are lean. The Prosper Hanuel coal mine in the German state of North Rhine-Westphalia will be converted into a 200-megawatt pumped storage hydroelectric reservoir that acts like a giant battery. Capacity is enough to power more than 400,000 homes, Governor Hannelore Kraft said, according to Bloomberg. So, the founded in 1863, the Prosper Hanuel coal mine produces 3 million uh, tons know, per year. Tons per, per year, is that? Yeah, of coal. That's a lot of coal. Uh, and is one of the few active coal mines remaining in Germany. But the mine is slated for closure in 2018 when the federal subsidies dry up. So, they are. The miners in the town will remain employed at the site as it converts to its new function. Uh, They basically, so here's a little bit of a description of how it works. The pumped hydroelectric storage stations generate power by releasing water from a reservoir through a turbine to a second reservoir at a lower altitude. And then later they pump it back up. Uh, So it's basically using using gravity to store the energy. I was actually talking to someone who was doing this with a train where basically, you know, you, when the solar was be there's excess solar during the day, it ran this electric train up a mountain yeah, full of, you know, weight. 
And then when they needed electricity, the electric motors that drove it up the hill would turn into electric generator coming down the hill. Yeah. Right? And so... Yeah, we've, I've, we've talked about that one on the show, too. And it, I like these ideas because, in a way, it's kind of low-tech. It's like take some water and lift it up and lower it down. It takes high-tech you know, uh, pumps and such to do it efficiently, but the idea is very simple, and it just involves moving water up and down to store energy. So in the case of this mine, the lower reservoir will be made up of more than 16 miles of mine shafts that reach up to 4,000 feet deep. Now, I don't, I don't know if they're talking about pumped back up. Yep, that's what they're doing. So pumped back up to the top reservoir using cheaper off-peak power or renewable energy source. Yeah. So, like, it, you know, if there is excess electricity at night... They'll pump it up. Or if there's excess electricity during the day from renewable energy sources, they'll pump it up. Yeah. And so that'll make it so that it Hey, I wonder we should be I wonder if there's someone who would want to do that around here. Yeah, I wonder that too. I actually I tweeted about it when I found this story and SIU Energy uh retweeted the tweet saying, you know, hey, we should look into this, something like that. (laughs) So maybe people in southern Illinois will actually investigate this. Because, I mean, there is a lot of coal mines closing now because of the cost of um, natural gas is cheaper than the cost of coal. And so coal mines are going out of business. Yeah. And so coal miners need work. So here's a chance to, like, shift them over, you know. Interesting. Yeah. If we hear any news on this story, we'll definitely mention it in future shows. Yeah, just floating that idea out there for investigation. Today happens to be a special holiday, National Chocolate-Covered Raisin Day. Oh, my. Coming up is Pecan Day and Waffle Day, and Make Up Your Own Holiday Day. Yeah. Which also happens to be National Spinach Day. Yeah. So if you don't want to celebrate National Spinach Day, you can make up your own holiday day. Yeah. And it's also Celebrate People Named Bedelia Day. (laughs) (laughs) I may have made that one up for Make Up Your Own Holiday Day. Something on a stick day and weed appreciation day. And Wednesday coming up is National Mom and Pop Business Owners Day and Smoke and Mirrors Day. Hopefully two unrelated uh, stories there. Coming up is National Doctor's Day and I Am In Control Day and Take a Walk in the Park Day. March is National Craft Month, National Irish American Heritage Month, National Nutrition Month, and National Women's History Month. Some happenings. The Southern Illinois March Exhibit. March 20th through the 30th at 1100 Lincoln Drive, Room 1101. The Art and Activism Class of the Department of Cinema and Photography collectively wish to showcase the people and voices of the Southern Illinois Women's March. The exhibit includes Photographs, signs, and interviews open every day from 9 to 4.30 and Wednesdays until 7. Closed 12 till 1, Monday through Wednesday. I guess someone needs to take a lunch. Closing reception is Thursday, March 30th, 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. So I'm right now out. putting that on my calendar. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I might be able to make it. All right, so also coming up, we have Grayscale, Performing Arts Across Difference. 
March 23rd to 25th at 8 p.m. at the Kleinau Theater. Now, I've, I've had a few friends who just went to this, and I've heard good reviews of it, so there's still a chance to check it out if you've missed it so far. All right. Food Not Bombs, Friday, March 24th at 6 p.m. at Gaia House. We are seeking to end hunger and poverty, not just feed it. Free vegetarian meals at Guy House every second and fourth Friday at 6 p.m. This is a spontaneous dinner created in real time and every meal is different. We invite community members to come at 5 p.m., bring raw ingredients and cook a meal from the gathered ingredients to serve at 6 p.m. We also invite people to bring pre-made vegetarian entrees, sides, or desserts, you know, like potluck style, or you can just bring your own lovely self and enjoy a family meal. Food Not Bombs, Fridays, the second and fourth Friday. Cook at five, eat at six. Also coming up, we have the Tree and Shrub Sale. This is coming up on Saturday and (coughs) Sunday at 4 p.m. at the SIU Arena parking lot. Keep Carbondale Beautiful will be selling 43 kinds of native trees and shrubs in the SIU Arena parking lot. Outside the Southern Illinois Home and Garden Expo on Saturday, March 25th and Sunday, March 26th. Among the highlights are natives that can go from wet to dry, especially black gum, bald cypress, buttonbush, and plants that provide food, mostly for wildlife, like chokeberry, hazelnut, and elderberry. There will be seven types of oak, two magnolia, and two viburnum. So that's quite a variety of different plants there, trees and plants. So this sale is outside of the home show. No tickets are needed. Public is invited. Uh, For more information, you can go to keepcb.org or contact uh, KCB at 618-525-5525. Yeah, I was just talking to someone who wanted to um, get some more plants for um, monarch butterflies because their monarch butterflies are dying in troves because they don't have anything to eat as they go back from Canada to Mexico. Yeah. So they're dying on route, so they need stuff to eat. So Yeah, it's a long journey. They could use all the help they could get right now. Sister Circle, Sunday, March 26th at 7 p.m. at Gaia House. The Global Sisterhood launched March 8, 2016 with 650 sister circles in over 65 countries gathering to cultivate sacred sisterhood, shifting competition, comparison, and jealousy into respect, unity and upliftment since then thousands of women around the world have been uniting both virtually and in local sister circles every new moon with an empowerment theme together there is a worldwide sacred sisterhood of women devoted to transforming themselves and transforming the world sister circle sunday at 7 p.m at guy house speaking of flowers Spring Wildflowers of Southern Illinois, Monday, March 27th at 7 p.m. at 216 East Monroe Street. That's the back alley. Learn to identify the lovely flowers that bloom in the spring and where to enjoy them. Presenter Abel Kinser holds an MS in plant biology from Southern Illinois University. He has taught biology at the high school and at the college level. He is an enthusiast about wild native flowers and maintains the Facebook page Illinois Wildflowers. 
presentation, Spring Wildflowers of Southern Illinois, May, 7 p.m. at 216 East Monroe Street. Come in from the back. All right. Also coming up, we have the League Forum Carbondale City Council candidates. Uh, come to meet your choices for City Council. The forum will be televised on Channel 16 Live and streamed online from the City website. This is on Monday at 7 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. Questions of Faith and Reality, Wednesday, March 29th at 5 p.m. at Guy House. At Questions, peoples from different faiths and beliefs come together and listen to each other's thoughts on the many questions of life. Participation, participants write anonymous questions which are drawn at random for open discussion. Through contemplative inquiry, we live ever more deeply into questions, changing ourselves that we can live the answers to. So join to share your thoughts and listen to others as they pass the talking stick and take turns responding to today's questions. You can also read about past question sessions at the Questions of Faith and Reality blog. If you would like that link, info at yourcommunityspirit.org is our email. Yeah, and it's been a while since I made it out to questions, but it's a really fun, interesting event. Um, and the blog, they've got a book for it too. It's just a great way to just suggest random questions for discussion and get some pretty interesting discussion on it. So we also have coming up, we'll talk about more of these events this uh, next week, but the 11 Days for Compassion are coming up in April. And the first event we've got listed here for it is the Peace and Justice Vigil. The Peace and Justice Vigil, What Does Compassion Look Like? Saturday, April 1st at noon at the Town Square Pavilion. Um, I won't be able to make it. I'm teaching a solar class all that day. The Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois Fellowship of Reconciliation Monthly Peace and Justice Vigil, Saturday, April 4th, will kick off Nonviolent Carbondale's 11 Day of C- for Compassion 2017. The vigil will be held noon to 1 p.m. at the corner of Main Street in Illinois. Uh, that's the Town Square Pavilion in Carbondale. The vigil will have the theme, What Does Compassion Look Like? Appropriate signs will be provided, the public is invited to join, and attendees are encouraged to bring their own sign. Following the vigil, the Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois, Fellowship of Reconciliation, will join the Understory Kitchen for a free lunch and discussion at 216 North Washington Street in Carbondale. Georgia De La Garza, founder of Shawnee Hills and Hollers, will share her experience with nonviolent direct action, reflecting on principles of training, planning, and preparing for actions designed to impact issues of great consequences when traditional advocacy and protest fail to change oppression or damaging policies or institute. The email is free and open to the public. Email to confirm attendance for lunch and discussion, understorykitchen at gmail.com. think they want to make sure they make enough food. These events are part of the 11 Days for Compassion, nonviolentcarbondale.org. Yeah, and that 11 Days for Compassion, is, they've done it before. It's a great series of events to uh, highlight compassionate things going on in our community and try to spread more compassion around here. I guess I should mention that I do have my solar class at John A. Logan Continuing Ed. Um, 
the last two classes I had like 16 and 18 people come to it. And so um, I think the max is 20 for that room. So maybe you want to come take it and max out the room so they can move us to a bigger room. I don't know. April 1st will be the next class, and I think May 6th is the one after that. All People's Walk, Sunday, April 2nd. Isn't this um, the first Sunday of each month they do a walk at the Labyrinth Peace Park? All are invited to walk the Labyrinth together with others from the community and get together afterward for a light meal and discussion. Sponsored by the Labyrinth Peace Park Restoration Group in conjunction with 11 Days for Compassion and Guy House. That will be Sunday at 8 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park. If you would like your event to happen, please email it to us, the Happening Guys, and we will announce it on the radio. Our email is info at yourcommunityspirit.org. You've been listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world. I'm Ord the Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. With special guest. Video, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'll see you again on the radio next week. It's springtime.